In the name of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now you probably recognize that little tune from the Broadway musical Godspell. And in the play, John the Baptist arrives on stage in tuxedo tails with hand-painted lightning bolts on it. The coat itself looks like it was purchased at a thrift store. This characterization of John the Baptist was a creative way to depict how John might appear if the story of Jesus' arrival was set in modern times. We would expect that the announcement of Jesus' arrival would be made by some world religious or political leader, certainly not some street singer running around the alleys of New York City proclaiming world-changing news to others like himself. This time of year, we do all kinds of preparations, don't we? You know, there are parties and trips to plan for. Most businesses prepare the end-of-the-year accounting processes. It's even time to prepare for New Year's Eve celebrations and prepare for a whole new year when we feel that chance, that chance to begin again, to make positive changes in our lives and to set goals that perhaps we've set before, but never quite accomplished. But the type of preparation that John the Baptist calls his listeners to is a preparation that consists of total transformation. Today's gospel lesson begins with this who's who list of important persons, the emperor, the governor, and some other rulers are also mentioned. In a surprising move, however, the story tells us that the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, an obscure prophet living in the desert. The word of God came to this man instead of one of those people who held positions of great power and importance. As a prophet, John sets out to announce his revelation to everyone in the region of the Jordan. And what he has to share is almost unimaginable. John proclaims that one can be baptized and be forgiven of one's sins. And to make his point clear and credible, he speaks the same words that were written by the prophet Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You see, John wants his listeners to understand that he is the one. He is the one who is to fulfill the prophecy of ancient scripture. John is the one whose voice is crying out in the wilderness for all to prepare for the Lord. The wilderness reference serves as a reminder of how Israel was formed as a people in the Exodus and in their present hope for a new restoration. So it ties again there. The people of John's day understood baptism to be a sign of one's submission to God. Baptism was the act in which one professed one's new or uh, renewed allegiance to God's will. Ultimately, baptism allowed one to be included as a member of the people of God. Through John's announcement, now baptism would also be known as a method to receive forgiveness of sins. That's new. John continues by telling the people that there is monumental work to do 
that every path must be made straight. To make a path for Jesus, every valley must be filled up and every mountain made low. So the path may be on level ground. And every rough patch must be smoothed out because what John is proclaiming is that what's coming is and what the world is about to experience is the very salvation of God. Now it's common for us to view the world from the perspective of our own experiences. That might be why we find it so unusual that God chose a desert dweller, someone with no political or social credentials, to be the one to announce that a Savior sent by God was coming into the world. Maybe it shouldn't surprise us. After all, the Savior whom John is referring to was born to an unmarried peasant woman. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, as Mary proclaimed when an angel told her that God had chosen her from among all the women of the earth to be the mother of the Savior of the world. So God's work of redeeming the world is now underway. Holy Scripture makes it clear that God's work takes place among the poor and the excluded. And at the same time, those who are not poor, or maybe they're not excluded, are invited to share in the same redeeming grace of God. The redemptive events that began with an unlikely prophet in a remote corner of Judea were the beginning of God's salvation coming into the world for all flesh, as the story tells us. Our tendency is to see God's activity as meant for our own kind of people and to expect God's work to be limited to social and ethical causes that are important to ourselves, right? But happily, God is concerned for all people. And we're called to push across any boundaries that we may have set in our minds. The term all flesh includes all those persons who are not present with us at this church. All flesh includes those who do not always have enough to feed themselves or their children. All flesh includes those who make us uncomfortable or maybe even frighten us. You know, we do recognize that Advent is a time for preparing ourselves, our hearts, and our minds for the coming of Christ. But it seems that most of what we hear people talk about is how stressful this time of year is. Many of us seem overwhelmed with the fact that there's just not enough time to do all of the things that we need to get done. We worry about what gifts to give those who are on our gift lists. And too many people spend beyond their means as though it were their duty to buy things because, after all, it's Christmas. Of course, stretching our financial levels serves to only increase the level of anxiety and stress that we may already be struggling with. Too much busyness steals our focus away from preparing our hearts and minds for the coming of the Savior of the world. And we know this, don't we? In our human weakness, we're pulled away from the most beautiful gift that we could ever hope to receive. God has granted the world salvation through a helpless infant 
this infant would grow to be God's emissary, proclaiming the glad news that salvation is available amidst a sinful and broken world. And that salvation lies in devoting ourselves to loving God and devoting ourselves to the love and care of others. The peace that we look for in the season of Advent just may be realized in our turning away from ourselves and from our inner circle. Perhaps a new busyness of serving others would help help us to prepare ourselves in the way that John calls us to do. Opportunities to serve others exist all around us. For example, we have an opportunity every time we walk into a store. While shopping, we can pick up a can of food for someone who may not eat otherwise, or a shirt or a pair of socks for a person who's in need of such things. Or we might speak. We might actually speak to the cashier. We might reconnect with someone whom we might not have had recent contact with or someone we know who is ill or lonely by sending a card, making a phone call, or even sending a text or an email. I believe that people experience joy just by knowing that someone's thinking of them. Sometimes what most people need, most of all, is for someone just to listen to their stories. Caring for others just may be the most effective way for any of us to place ourselves in the presence of God. That place where we feel and we know the kind of peace that God offered to all by sending salvation to the world through Jesus Christ. And to fully embrace such peace does not happen at our demand to know and to feel the peace of God Feel the peace of God's saving love requires preparation. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.